Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Week 3 XFL Fantasy Flex, the X-Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. In this episode, we're running through our Week 3 XFL games. We're going to take a quick look at the futures market. We're going to give our favorite bets with me, as always, are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host. The Action Network show on Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio. Guys, before we dive into week three, let's do a, a quick look back at week two, some of the lessons that we might have learned because it is still very early on in the season. We've had only eight games of XFL action. Sean, any big takeaways from week two that you think we can spin forward into week three? Um, I mean, for me personally, um, you know, aside from getting a sense as to, you know, the strength of the teams and what the average total should be, I think for me personally, a lesson I had was to bet in game. I think a lot of these teams, um, I think once the game starts and you see the flow of it, I had a better sense of where the value was. So I was, I was doing a lot better betting in game. Um, an example was like the, the LA Dallas game, you know, both teams are driving the ball and then they would get you know, just turnovers in, inside the red zone. So uh, I felt like that game, um, it was like 3 nothing when I bet the over. I just felt like it was due for some points. And then it just exploded in the fourth quarter. You know, I wasn't expecting that many points. But just in, in the game, I felt more confident about sides. So this week, you know, I don't really see as much value um, this week pregame. But I think in-game, I think that's where the value is going to lie in these, in these markets. Raybon, what do you think? First of all, home field advantage, I think, is a little – more than we thought. I think you pointed it out in your piece up on actionnetwork.com, Freeman, but home teams are outscoring road teams 23 to 14, I believe it is. And personally, I we started out with a home field advantage around 1.5. And I think we've all kind of bumped it up uh, a little bit into the two point range. I think Seattle, one of those teams, probably even a little more. So home field is big. And 
continue to be impressed, even though they ended up losing the game with St. Louis, the Battlehawks. I think that's a team that um, is going to be competing for the title this year. And most of most books still have them in, in the bottom half of teams in terms of the futures market. So um, those are a couple of things. And we talked about this last week too, but the average score through these eight games that we've seen is just 37.8 combined points. And that is about eight points, eight and a half points, eight to nine points lower than the NFL. Now I expect that to tick up a little bit as teams and offenses get more familiar. I think there was some sloppy play and particularly from Tampa Bay. And we've seen a bunch of starting quarterbacks miss games in these first couple of weeks, but totals, I I think there's going to be value on unders because the general public likes to bet overs. The XFL is a new league. It's going to attract a lot of casual action. They talk about the, the totals and the live numbers um, you know, that, that Sean was kind of talking about. They talk about those in-game as well. So I think you are going to see a, a lot of value on unders pregame. And then, as Sean kind of mentioned, if a, if a game kind of starts out slow, that's where I think the value on the overs will be because um, teams have been kind of mistake-prone and you can get low to sleep and these live lines start dipping way down. And then that's when you bet the over. But I think pregame, uh, I'm going to be hammering the unders. Yeah, Rayvon, as you mentioned, the uh, the totals, they still seem to be very much inflated. Uh, you mentioned St. Louis as a team to keep an eye on. We will definitely talk about them later, especially uh, when we get to the futures market. You mentioned home teams have dominated. I'm curious to see what we're going to see this week because uh, this is the first week where we have some of the better teams on the road. Uh, we have Tampa Bay at home. Tampa Bay looking like one of the worst teams in the league. So maybe the uh, the home team trend that we've seen so far – will start to normalize, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And then the importance of quarterback play. Uh, If you have a good quarterback, and I think right now there are maybe three and a half teams-ish, something like that, that have good quarterbacks. If you have a good quarterback, you can run the other team off the field. If you don't have a good quarterback, you have no chance unless you're playing one of the other teams that also doesn't have a good quarterback. So that's that's where I am right now on uh, takeaways from this league. All right, let's get into week three. We have as the first game on the slate Saturday at 2 p.m., the Houston Roughnecks, six and a half point favorites right now at the Tampa Bay Vipers, an over-under of 45 and a half at FanDuel Sportsbook. Sean, what do you think of this game? So, I mean, first off, I I would expect, you know, over 80% of the action to be on Houston here. So I could see this line going up to seven pretty easily by the end of the week. Um, you know, Tampa Bay kind of screwed me over last week, but I'm still sticking with them as a team where I think the underlying data um, shows that they might be, you know, a mediocre team by the end of the year. Uh, we still don't know who's starting uh, quarterback this week, so I'm not going to pull the trigger until we find out at least Aaron Murray's status. Um, but like you mentioned, Tampa Bay, they've yet to play a home game this year, so we might be overlooking them a bit. Um, they have uh, had, you know, seven red zone drives, which I think is tied for the league lead but they have yet to come away with an offensive touchdown. They had a score last week um, on the defensive side of the ball. So I think the offense is underachieving a bit. Um, yes, they've been brutal for through two weeks, but they're at least moving the ball. Going forward, I think Tampa Bay will, a team, will be a team that I find value on. Um, it's just tough. You know, Houston looks really good. They're going to be able to, to move the ball pretty easily. You know, when it comes to this home field factor, it could come into play this week with Tampa Bay. Um, and I'll probably wait to take them at the end of the week when they're around, you know, plus seven and a half, and if Murray is declared active. So 
um, they're a team I'll be looking about this week. Yeah, Sean, to your, your point about their inability to score points, you know, they had a, a touchdown called back last yeah. week on an offensive uh, pass interference penalty from Dan Williams. Uh, Aaron Murray uh, didn't play last week, still on the injury report this week, uh, did not practice on Tuesday. We are recording this on Wednesday. I'm not going to project him uh, in our projections, which will be coming out, not going to project him until we actually see him return to practice. I'm a little bit skeptical that he's going to play this week. Uh, just have to wait and see. Raybon. Where are you on this game? I think the number is a little inflated. If you look at our power ratings, we have it as about a four-point spread. When you take a consensus of all three of our ratings. And at the same time, yeah, I don't want to bet on Tampa Bay, especially with their quarterback situation. I think the best way to invest in Tampa Bay is to actually wait till after this week because they already had the two road games. Now they're coming home, but they're facing one of the top – two teams in the league in the Houston Roughnecks and their futures price after this game, if they lose, will probably be probably plus a thousand or something like that. So at that point, you know, zero and three, it's tough to come back from, but I do agree with Sean that this is a team that they're more mediocre and then flat out bad. I think Mark Trestman gives them a chance and can't, you would think he would be able to make some adjustments and get, this offense going because that's really been the issue they scored three points in week one against New York and then nine points at Seattle in week two so uh, I think that this is a team that could turn around but the way to invest is probably in, in the futures market after this game against Houston I don't know man the futures market and a, a 10 game season with them being 0 yeah. and 3 uh that's I think that's gonna be pretty tough but uh it, it will help that they're in the same division as the um as the New York Guardians but yeah, uh, let's let's talk about some of the potential DFS plays in this game. For Houston, you obviously have the uh, the wide receivers there. They you know have the the run and shoot offense. They go four wide, and they're going against a Vipers secondary that uh, is is pretty unsettled. And uh, I think they're already fairly bad at cornerback and fairly thin at the position. And so the idea of them having to have four cornerbacks out there uh, defending four wide receivers, uh, you know, stretches them even more. So, uh, you know, looking to the roughnecks for, uh, for some DFS plays, where are you guys, Sean? What, uh, what about you here? Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Houston's going to be pretty chalky uh, this week, but on the other side of the ball, Tampa, I think Reese Horn at 4,200, he's my, he's my top uh, wide receiver that's under 5K. Led the team in routes run last week. Um, Tampa offense has yet to score a touchdown this year. So, again, they're, they're going to be low-owned, and they're, you know, they're due. <laughs> so I, I like him this week as, like, a cheap wide receiver flyer. It, it is worth mentioning that S.J. Green has been traded to the Vipers or, you know, picked up. Um, he mysteriously, like, he didn't show up for any Seattle practice or I don't know what happened there, but he's officially on the Vipers now. So he could have a role in a few weeks, but this week I think Reese Horn's the guy I'm going to be targeting. I'm in that cheaper sub 5k range at wide receiver. Raymond, what about you? Uh, for me, Nick Howie stands out 4,400 on DraftKings for the Houston Roughnecks. He was a guy, I think, I think it was you who brought him up last week, Friedman, but there he is a running back by trade, but they seem to be using him at wide receiver. And he his routes run last week spiked from six, uh, 68% in week one to 97% in week two. And he's still under 5K. He is my number nine wide receiver this week. So I know a lot of people – are going to be on Sammy Coates and expecting some regression there, which will probably come. But uh, Howie 
was right there tied for the team lead with Cam Phillips, who of course had the monster game in his 11.1K. Howie was right there in terms of routes run. And we only have two weeks of data. So the routes run is still extremely important when we're trying to project forward because you can't just look at the you know targets by themselves in the small sample size. But the, the guys that are going to be out there um, on the field, those are the guys that I want to target, especially for value. So love Nick Holly at 4,400. 100% with you, Rayvon. Uh, the thing that's really interesting about Holly, uh, you mentioned he was uh, initially listed as a running back for the team. He played some running back in college. He played some quarterback in college uh, and also some wide receiver. They're using him in the slot almost exclusively, and that is where he's going to have one of the better matchups uh, because the, the perimeter cornerbacks, they're decent. The slot cornerbacks uh, for the Vipers are basically non-existent. Uh, and so out of all the wide receivers there, he's, he's going to be running as many routes as the other guys, uh, but he will have one of the best matchups uh, in the game. So uh, like the call on Nick Hawley. The next game we're here, we have the Dallas Renegades favored by five at the Seattle Dragons. And we have an over-under, actually, sorry, four and a half. Uh, they are favored by four and a half now at FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under is 43 and a half. Sean, where are you with this game? Yeah, so I mean Landry Jones, uh, he looked he definitely looked rusty last week, but uh, he still managed to throw for three hundred plus yards and get the win. So I think you know over time he's going to get better. Uh, he he still didn't look one hundred percent to me. He had some um, scrambles where you know he just looked awful running the ball. But so so he'll he'll continue to dump it off to his running backs. I think going forward, but I think he's going to only get better. Um, and you know at Seattle's going to be tough. We we figured they would have a good home field advantage, but last week. Proved it, I think. Um, th this is probably a game where I'm probably going to wait. Um, I, I can see Dallas coming out a little rusty again. Maybe Seattle will get a quick lead, and then I'll probably come in on Dallas in-game. I think that's the way I'm going to handle this. Because, um, you know, Landry, he missed, I would say, four weeks leading up to the season. So he missed key practice timing. Mean, this is a brand-new team, so that's, that's going to show on the field, and we saw that last week. But I think over the next few weeks, I think Dallas is going to be, you know, a top-three team. Um, so looking back at this line, we might consider a value, but I still think they'll come out rusty um, and I'll, I'll be looking to get them in game in this one. Yeah, I'm still worried about the decision making of Bob Stoops and Hal Mummy. They, they're still very conservative on third down and fourth down and, and seem to be willing to, uh, to settle for field goals and field position when they should probably try to push their advantage a little bit more. But uh, so that, that makes me a little bit hesitant in terms of them covering. Um, but um, yeah, they, I think they're the more talented team. Uh, the Dragons at home, though, um, I, I mean, I think that is an advantage there. And we have the, uh, the Renegades now on the second game of a uh, of, uh, – not back-to-back, -back, but second straight road game. So uh, something to keep in mind. Raymond, where are you on this game? I think the line is pretty much right at five, so not a ton of value there. I think if I'm looking to bet it, I probably lean toward – you know, looking at the the under again, these these games have all tended to tr uh, trend under. And Dallas in that game against LA and LA, there they were the worst graded defense by PFF. Kind of talked about that heading into the game. They did not look good on defense. Now they did make strides, but that was a pretty low scoring game uh, until late in the game when Dallas got a few things going. So. I think the under for me is the uh, is the play. I think the line is right in line. But I will definitely be watching that, this game because I think Dallas is the most entertaining XFL team right now because Landry Jones is interviews. I don't know if you guys got to see him, yeah. but, I mean, every time he sucked, and he sucks a lot throughout the game. I mean, for all his yards, 
there were a lot of drives where it was just bad and they would interview him and he would just be like, yeah, I just sucked. I was just playing horrible. You know, like it was just, it was just hilarious because he was so comfortable saying it and he was so calm. I'm definitely watching Dallas for that, but I think I'm going to take the under and uh, man, I really hope we do not see Sean another one of those Landry Jones scrambles because <laughs> I mean, the one where he just collapsed into a heap. I mean, <laughs> like, oh, so he like bad. did like a front roll stop drop like it was a fire or something. And the crazy thing was, he was like a yard short of the first down and he had five yards of open space. It was utterly ridiculous. Didn't they ask him like, what the hell was that? And he was like, I don't know. But um, I, I think it, it goes to show, you know, he was willing to blame himself. And then on the flip side, we saw Matt McGloin blame everybody else. So I think it just goes to show, I think Landry Jones has the right mindset uh, QB, but yeah, I, I do love the the in-game interviews. That's one of the, my favorite parts of the XFL. All right, let's talk about some of the DFS plays, and I'm particularly interested in how you guys are projecting uh, some of the running backs in this game. Seattle is a team that relies a lot on the running backs, but they're splitting the workload evenly between three guys. Uh, in Dallas, you have, I, I think, two running backs who have upside, uh, Lance Dunbar, a good receiving back, uh, Cameron Artis-Payne, who got into the end zone twice last week and I think had over 100 uh, rushing yards or pretty pretty close to it. Uh, you know, but in week one, he didn't really do much. But, you know, so there's some potential there running backs. How are you guys evaluating them, Sean? Yeah, so Cameron Artis-Payne is my number one running back now. Um, I think he saw six targets um, as well as, you know, he – eclipsed 100 yards on the ground and scored a touchdown. We really haven't seen that kind of production from running back. So he's by far the number one back. And I have Lance Dunbar fourth right now. Just he's guaranteed to get, you know, five to six targets, it seems like. So that's that's about as much as you could ask for a running back in the XFL. So I like him in a full PPR set like DK. Um, on the other side of the ball, it, with Seattle, you know, a three back committee like that, I would just fade completely. But uh, to start the week, uh, Kenneth Farrow and Jaquan Gardner are both uh, dealing with injuries. So if, if one or both of them are out, Trey Williams is going to be a great play at 5K. Um, you know, he's looked good as well. So if, if we clear up some of this um, committee, um, it's going to just open up more value for these backs. So that's something to monitor throughout the week. But I think the guy I'm going to be targeting heavily again this week is Donald Parham. He's 2K more expensive this week, but I still think he's worth every penny. Um, he's one of those guys that I think that, um, you know, he's, Definitely going to be given a second chance for the NFL. He's looked that good. I mean, his his frame is massive. And he showed good chemistry last week with Jones. He went uh, five catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he saw 11 targets. But he also – he had to miss the game a bit due to injury, and he still put up those numbers. Um, so he's dealing with the, the foot injury this week, so it's something I'm honored. But if he's suiting up, um, even though he's a tight end at 5,300, uh, I haven't projected as, you know, like a top 15 receiver. Um, so he's going to be a, a must play for me this week again. He's the Jazz Ferguson replacement. Like everything <laughs> yeah. we wish Jazz Ferguson would have been, that's what Parham actually is doing on the field. And as great as his stat line was, it could have been much bigger because he was open deep a couple of times and, and uh, Landry Jones mi missed him by just a matter of inches both times. Raybon. Who are you looking at in this game? Yeah, Cameron Artis Payne is also my number one running back. And Lance Dunbar is actually my number five running back on DraftKings with the full PPR, number seven on FanDuel. Both of these backs are getting usage in the passing game, especially Dunbar. So I think you really have to value pass catching a little bit more heavily in the XFL because if you look at the average running back stats per team, 20.4 carries for 80.5 yards from running backs and just 3.9 yards per carry with uh, with only uh, about 0.3 touchdowns. 
per game. So that's a little bit below what we usually see in the NFL. And uh, until that, it doesn't look like it's going to change much. Maybe it kind of regresses a little more close to, you know, four point mid fours in terms of the yards per carry, but we haven't seen that yet. So I think that the pass catching is a lot more valuable. Dunbar is the value at 66 compared to Artis Payne at 83. But I think both of those guys uh, are definitely in play. The thing about Artis Payne was that both of his touchdowns came and most of his yardage came late in the game. And so I think Dunbar is a guy I will be targeting a little more heavily, especially in tournaments, because I think with the upside artist paint showed, everyone's going to be on him and there's so much value that you can easily fit him in. And he's, you know, you only have to play one running back. So I think a lot of people will gravitate toward him. So Dunbar is probably going to be the guy for me. And then Seattle. Yeah. They, they were pretty evenly split in terms of the, the running back usage. So right now with Farrow and Gardner questionable, I, it's kind of, you know, Trey Williams looks good, but, if if they're all healthy, it's kind of a quagmire, and um, there you know it, it, there's no real way to differentiate much between those guys. Gardner hasn't been getting quite as much of the pass game work. Williams has been the most productive guy, so I probably still lean him, but it, it could get uh, it could get kind of ugly. So it's probably a stay away for me in terms of the backfield. Unless at least one of those guys are out. Yeah, honestly, uh, I have Artis Payne and Dunbar as my two highest projected running backs uh, for DraftKings. And, you know, like, on the one hand, that's probably wrong. But, like, they're two of the three highest scoring running backs in the league right now. And, you know, like, we can project them for decent usage in the passing game. And on DraftKings especially, that means something. So, that's, uh, that's where I am. You know, another kind of strike against the Seattle running backs is that on pro football focus, the Dallas Renegades have the highest run defense grade in the league at 83.1. The median is about 70 and uh, there's four teams, 62 or less, but Dallas leads the league at 83.1. So might not be much happening on the ground uh, for, for Seattle in this game. All right. Next game on Sunday, we have the New York guardians at the St. Louis battle Hawks. This line has moved. The Battle Hawks are now favored by 10. Uh, I believe this line opened around 8, something like that. And we have an over-under of 40.5 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Sean, what do you think of this game? St. Louis has definitely been the biggest surprise of 2020. You know, they were considered, I would say, a bottom two team heading in. And now they look like a top three team. So, you know, they won at Dallas and then lost a close game at Houston, which is one of the top two teams. Um, and they get their first home game this week. So obviously I want to bet St. Louis, but at minus 10, I don't think I could do it. I, I sit here and make cases for Tampa Bay offense not being as bad as the score, but New York was just as bad as the score indicated last week. I mean, their offense never uh, reached the red zone. So, yep, the shutout makes sense. So, you know, I don't like New York here. Um, the line looks about right, but I think the, the over-under, I'm going to be joining Raybon. Um, on the under train here. I think in-game would be the way to do this. I think I could see St. Louis getting out to an early lead, you know, scoring on their first drive or something. Uh, But St. Louis is built to kind of play with a lead, so I could see them getting up early. And then just the pace of this game to go to a grinding halt. And that's that's when I'll come in on the under. So I think that's how I'm going to approach this game. I love it. One idea. I think you could just parlay the three unders that don't have the roughnecks. You know, like – the, the Roughnecks scare me. I don't want to go yeah. there, but I think there's, there's undervalue on the other three games, uh, especially this game. And so that might be uh, something if you just, you know, put just a little bit on it. Not a lot, but just a little bit. So you <laughs> kind of have a little fun there. That might be a way to do this. Rayvon, where are you on this game? I, I, I totally agree with Sean. I want to bet the Battlehawks. I was all over them last week. I was, that was my favorite XFL moment 
of the year so far. My guy Jordan Tamu on the fourth and long after the penalty, converting the first, getting a touchdown for the cover to cover the eight. It was seven and a half. I think I got him at eight and a half, but they ended up closing at seven and a half. So really happy about that. Uh, St. Louis, the team I've liked um, from the jump. I think they're a lot better than we thought. And the key is, and I wrote this up in our favorite bets piece on actionnetwork.com last week, they're great at tackling. St. Louis is a great tackling team, far and away the best tackling team in the league. And so, yeah, I do agree with that, with the undercall, Sean. Week one, St. Louis missed three tackles. Week two, St. Louis missed four tackles. The league average is around, it's in the double digits. And so that just kind of shows you how well and how fundamentally sound St. Louis is. And when they're playing against a team like New York, who just got shut out, that just does not bode well. So it's too early for, to really rate any matchup as a 10-point spread at this point. Our consensus line actually has this as a five-point spread. So from that standpoint, and, and again, this is, it's just too early to project these huge numbers. And this, is, this line is inflated, but at the same time, I don't feel great about the Guardians. You know, I, I really don't just because of how good St. Louis is tackling. So probably a game where, yeah, I, I just look at the under to kind of to get some value. Or maybe even the under if, they, if, if books are releasing team totals later in the week. Um, like they do for NFL, um, looking at the under the team total for the Guardians as well. Yeah, there might be theoretical value on the Guardians, but there is no way I would actually bet on the Guardians right now. Uh, I just I, I couldn't do it. No matter, I mean, well, I don't know. if it gets <laughs> what to fourteen, if, if they announced that they're starting Marquise Williams or even Luis Perez, would that? change your opinion on them or I think it would be better for them right yeah yeah because I, I think like a worst case scenario is they go with McGloin and then uh yeah. they bench him at halftime and then bring up uh the like another quarterback uh no I think they either have to stick with McGloin the whole time or just bench him now and go with the other guy but Agreed. uh given how they've kind of screwed things up so far I imagine they will do the thing that uh is worse for them where are we, we uh, with DFS plays it's hard to go, I think, with anyone on the Guardians right right now, although you could make a case for uh, Mikhail McKay. But um, St. Louis Battlehawks, you know, Matt Jones is interesting. Uh, Jordan Tamu, uh, I think, you know, he's, he's a half tier below uh, Cardell Jones and P.J. Walker, but uh, I think he's clearly a top three quarterback in the league right now. You know, he has three uh, pretty balanced wide receivers just in terms of uh, how that wide receiver unit is constructed uh, and then the way that they are being used. Um, how are you guys approaching DFS, Sean? Uh, so for DFS, I really love uh, LaDamian Washington at 8K. Like there's two receivers. Uh, it's Nelson Spruce and Cam Phillips. They are by far the top two wide receivers in my model. And then there's a huge drop off. And I have Washington actually third. Um, it's pretty close between like wide receivers three and like 10, if I want to be honest. And he's only 8K. So he's the 11th most expensive receiver. Plus with him, I think he's a pivot off uh, Pearson L who's 2K more expensive. And I consider them, I mean, they're a one-two punch. They're basically the same in my model. So if Washington's going to be uh, hopefully lower owned at that price, I think he's going to be one of my uh, heavier plays this week. Um, just because, like I said, there's there's a big drop-off after the top two, but I would consider him the number three just based on underlying usage, this offense. And yeah, AK, I think he's a great play. Raybon, what about you? Tamu, to me, I actually have him – a hair ahead of Walker and Jones. He is my number one quarterback this week. So I definitely think he's a top three play. If you look at, um, you know, the, the, the film kind of backs it up. He is the number two rated PFF quarterback in terms of his passing grade and his overall grade. 
And out of the five quarterbacks that started two games, he has the highest completion percentage by far at 78.1%. And that's on the second most attempts, 64 attempts. So it's not like a small sample size. He's 50 of 64. The next highest is Philip Walker at 62.3%. And Tamu also tied for the league lead in yards per attempt among those quarterbacks at 7.7. So I really liked Tamu and was really impressed with what he did against Houston. I think if you watch the game, he threw a pick, uh, a crucial, it turned out to be a really crucial pick, but he thought he had a free play because it was, uh, somebody did in fact jump and the refs missed the call. And that, that game could have been totally different. St. Louis probably perhaps wins that game, if not for that, that, that switch. Cause, um, you know, the, the interception was returned and, and they got a touchdown out of it, I believe. So I think Tamu and, and this squad are um, kind of a, a high upside team. I'm looking at I'm looking at him. And then for running back, I think Matt Jones, he's been a high usage guy. He's been active in the past game and he's uh, getting double digit carries, which you can't really say about many backs in, in this league at this point. So I like Jones. I like um, Tamu and uh, I will be stacking St. Louis heavily. I think Pearson L kind of really showed that he's the go-to guy. He's a guy that he's not going to put up a huge yards per catch, but he's kind of that underneath security blanket who for this week gets open pretty well. So uh, I like Pearson L, like Tamu, and, uh, and like Matt Jones. All right, and uh, with you there on uh, Tamu, and the one thing that he has going for him that the other guys don't, even though they are they're competent runners. I mean, I'd say even good runners. Like he's a, a very good runner, uh, and they they just use him a little bit more uh, in the running game. And I think he scrambles a little bit better than the other guys, so he has a, a higher rushing floor there. So uh, you know, another reason to like him. The final game we have here: DC Defenders favored by eight at the LA Wildcats right now. A over under of forty four at FanDuel Sportsbook. Sean, what do you think? So, I mean, this is the best team versus the worst team in my power rating. So uh, this line looks about right. Um, I thought defenders were going to open up maybe double digit favorites, like minus 10, but you know, we're not quite there yet. I think it could end up there. Um, these two teams made a trade last week. You know, DC got Anthony Johnson. He looked great. He had two sacks. I would consider DC the most complete team uh, in the league. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle a team like LA on the road. They should win handily, but we'll see how they, they handle the situation. LA coaching has been a uh, disaster. I mean, Norm Chow hasn't been great. Winston Moss was just chilling on the sidelines last weekend. I, I, I consider LA the worst team. You know, I, I'm right in line with the market here. So this might be something I wait to come in in game. If LA were to get up early, I might come in on DC, but I'm, I'm just staying away from this game in general. Uh, I'm just not sure how this this game's going to play out. And I'm, like I said, I'm pretty much in line with the minus eight and a half. So I'm not going to touch this one. Raybon, where are you? Yeah, I have it a little lower uh, in terms of the number, but I, I agree. I, it, the LA Wildcats, you know, as Sean alluded to, just do not look well coached. Now they did make strides on defense. It seems like perhaps that, uh, you know, all that upheaval actually helped them a little bit. They were able to hang in there for three quarters against Dallas and then kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. So that that's a positive, but man, I mean, DC was impressive in their 27 zip shutout of the guardians. So uh, it's Cardale Jones and uh, he, he's far and away the best rated quarterback in terms of his PFF grade. And uh, this LA team, they miss a ton of tackles, missed 13 
in uh, last week's loss to Dallas, and that's hurted them on defense. So uh, this, uh, this, this is a game where I think it's, it's one where I, I want to bet the under as well, but I'm a little concerned just because LA's defense has been uh, pretty bad. And, if yeah, they're the worst rated, actually, the worst rated defense out of all the defenses in PFF, worse than even Seattle. So um, LA's defense kind of worries me against this defenders team that um, has been impressive two weeks in a row, 31 points in week one, 27 points in, in week two. And now they're facing the worst defense in the league. It, I mean, they could put up a big, big number. So this is a high upside team. On the one hand, I think this number is fair. On the other hand, if I had to bet one of these teams, it definitely wouldn't be the Wildcats, uh, even at uh, an eight-point spread. You look, Raybon, you mentioned the Wildcats with their defensive struggles. They had Jalen Dunlap and Harlan Miller as their starters at corner in week one. Dunlap was out in week two, and Miller played through his doubtful designation, but he played only, you know, like 11 snaps or something. Like, he wasn't one of their primary cornerbacks out there. You know, they're both uncertain for week three, so we could have one of the best offenses in the league going against a team without its two starting perimeter cornerbacks. And uh, I just think that uh, Rashad Ross and DeAndre Tompkins on the outside could destroy whoever they're going against. So a, a good situation for them. Where are you guys on DFS? Sean, who are you looking at? So uh, DeAndre Tompkins, for sure. Uh, he's just way too cheap at 5,700. Unfortunately, I think he's going to be super chalky. Um, so make sure you have him if you don't want to, you know, get lapped by the field here. But he missed week one. Um, and then week two, he led the team in targets. So I think that uh, we, saw, we saw him run a route on 70% of dropbacks. That should only go up. It looked like he basically took away uh, Dupree's role. And he looked – Tompkins looked really good um, and had a touchdown. Um, he's just way too cheap given this usage. And being on, you know, high-scoring offense like D.C., just way too valuable at uh, 5,700 to pass up this week. All right, Rayvon, what about you? Yeah, I love that call on Tompkins. And I think if you look at the routes run, Eli Rogers ran 95% of the route, so he's obviously in play as well. Top five uh, wide receiver in my model, Tompkins as well. But Ross is probably the guy who's a little bit over – price just because he's up at 94 and he ran 67% of the routes. Now he's a big play guy. I think he's averaging 24 yards per catch. So, um, you know, obviously a in play in tournaments, but I think Tompkins is a great value. And then uh, looking at the running backs, Donnell Pumphrey, he's my number three running back on DraftKings this week. Um, he's obviously very active in the passing game, kind of one of those Darren Sproles type of guys. He's 7K, but again, I don't think you really have to worry about running back prices because you only need one and there's so much value at wide receiver. And especially if, you know, it's kind of a game theory play, but in tournaments, I think those DC wide receivers, as high upside as they uh, are, they're going to be pretty highly owned. So owning a guy like Pumphrey and Jarrell Presley, their other running back. Both of those guys uh, are in my top seven. So Presley's, uh, it's Pumphrey's three and then Presley's seven. 44% of the routes for Pumphrey, 36 for Presley last week. They're both pretty active uh, in, the, in the receiving game and both getting a fair amount of, of carries. So I like, I like both of those guys. And then on the L.A. side, L.A., because of how bad their defense is, you know, Nelson Spruce has really benefited and he's, he's put up some huge numbers. So he's now 10.9K. But again, there's so much value that I think you can kind of mix them in. And I think the way to do it would be in a game stack with DC. Because remember, DC putting up a lot of points in the first two games. 
and 27 or more, and then they're going against the worst graded defense. So LA probably is going to have to throw, and, and Spruce is going to be the guy that would uh, would benefit, I think, the most from that. So I, I, I don't mind kind of spending up on him. It's kind of tough to, to, to know exactly what's going to happen after. I mean, Trey McBride, I think he was active last week, but didn't mm-hmm. even play. He's 3.3K. We expected big things, or, uh, you know, we expected him to be a factor here. Uh, Adonis Jennings has kind of, you know, taken, taken some of those snaps and he saw an increase in, in his usage up to 72% of the routes last week. So he's, he's 3K. So he's a guy that, depending on what happens with Syed Blacknall, who's questionable, you know, Jennings could be a guy that, especially if McBride is still going to continue to be, um, you know, take, they're taking baby steps with him. Uh, I think Jennings is a, is a sneaky play um, given the potential game script. Yeah, and I think he caught a three-point conversion Last week yeah, too. the yeah. first in Jennings. history. Yep. yep, yep. And 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 the guy I'm fading is Elijah Hood. I think he had a couple of goal line carries. Didn't really get it done. They don't seem like they can get him in, you know, in the end zone. I think that would really be his his value. And on top of that, he's not been active in the passing game, and that's a real problem. You know, he had a three percent target share in week one, zero percent in week two. And he ran for, he went, his routes run went from 9% in week one to 44% in week two. He didn't even get a target despite all of that. But I, I think depending on what happens with Dwan Harris in week one with Harris active, the running backs were all not as involved in the pass game, but um, you know, ha- Hood's pass game usage spiked with Harris out. Um, Martez Carter, their returner, he's also a running back. I could see them start to work him in more if, if Hood's not really contributing um, in the pass game. So he, Hood is my number 11 on FanDuel, 12 on DK not really feeling him this week. Hood definitely had the best in-game interview. They they asked him what happened on that fumble. Did you hear that? He dropped like two F-bombs in six words. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be watching. I just won't be rostering. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just sitting there slumped on the bench looking like he's about to cry. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I love the, the in-game interviews when they uh, talk to people who just messed up. That is so much better than when they talk to people who just did something good. <laughs> so. I, I mean, and the best is like the, 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 like the uh, overly optimistic quarterbacks, like, the, like Josh, uh, Josh Johnson. It's like, we'll do better. Just got to finish drives. Just got to finish drives. We'll do better. We'll do better. And then like the end of the game comes and they lose and like he doesn't convert. He's like, just had to do better, man. Just had to do better. It's like, damn, bro. Like, we can see this coming from a mile away. Yeah, well, I love when they ask like, what do you need to do to score more points? And they're like, finish drives. And it's like, I basically just asked you, what did you need to do to finish drives? And you just said, <laughs> finish drives. <laughs> anyway, okay. Let's talk quickly about some futures. We have the DC Defenders now at plus 200. The Houston Roughnecks at plus 250. The Renegades 6-1. to one. Vipers 8-1. to one. Guardians and Battlehawks are both 10-1. to one. The Wildcats and Dragons are both 14-1. to one. Rayvon, you already kind of jumped the gun on this, so I'm going to jump ahead of you before I kick it to you on this. The Battlehawks, 10-1. to one. I think it's a great bet. Uh, they were 9-1 to one last week. I honestly think their odds should be shorter now, even though they lost, because they showed that week one wasn't a fluke. You know, as road underdogs in back-to-back games in weeks one and two, they covered against, I think, uh, you know, two, two of the better teams in the league. Certainly, uh, Houston is one of the better teams in week two. And they were, like, they were tight. Like, they could have won that game if some things had gone just a little bit differently. And you look at the um, – the conference that they are playing in in the East. They have the Vipers. They have the Guardians. Neither one of those teams, I think, is going to threaten their spot for the playoffs. So I think they're locked into the playoffs. And at that point, it's relatively easy to think that uh, just on their style of play and, and their defense that they can hang with uh, the Roughnecks 
or the defenders. So I love them at 10 to one. Raybon, I'm assuming that is your, uh, your favorite futures bet on the board. Oh, yeah. I mean, you asked me on the SiriusXM show a few days ago which team I liked, you know, not even looking at value. And I still like St. Louis um, as one of the top teams. And this is the week to bet them. Like, bet St. Louis now before they play because they are big favorites. What are they? The biggest favorites on the board, right? Yeah, the big, yeah. they're 10-point favorites against a team that scored zero points last week. And they are still 10-1. to 1. They are the number three rated team in PFF overall. Um, and just a hair behind, they're right there with the other two top teams, the Houston Roughnecks and the D.C. Defenders. Roughnecks at 75.9 overall team grade, D.C. 73.5, St. Louis 72.9, and then Dallas a distant fourth at 64.9. So I love St. Louis. Any team, anytime you're getting it in an eight-team league, you're getting uh, a team better than eight to one. I think it's, it's a value when you think that team has a real shot at the title. And I think, uh, you know, as, as you said, Freeman, I think they might actually be, um, you know, one of the top three and could be even better than that. We'll see as, as these things play out, but cause they've had a tough uh, strength of schedule. So I really like St. Louis. I think Tamu has exceeded expectations and they're extremely efficient on offense with Tamu leading the league in completion percentage by a mile in terms of the guys who started two games. And then on defense, they do not miss tackles just seven uh, in the two games combined. So I love St. Louis at 10 to one. I have already uh, laid money on them. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, I've already bet this. I think if you have a top three quarterback, you're probably a top three team in the league. And Tamu is a, a top three quarterback corner. I'm assuming that this is also probably your favorite uh, futures bet on the board. Yeah. I think St. Louis at 10 to one is by far the best value. They should probably be closer to six to one with Dallas. Um, and we have yet to see them play at home. So they get their first home game this week. I think they'll probably have the second best home field advantage just behind Seattle. So we'll yeah. see that this week. Like Raybon said, get in on them now. Uh, I, I do think Dallas at six to one has some value. Um, like I said earlier, you know, they looked rusty with Landry Jones, but the potential's there. And I think towards the end of the season, they could be top two, top three team. And with a team like Houston, I've been watching uh, Philip Walker. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson, both good and bad. He's been taking some massive hits. I'm worried about his long-term health. If he were to get hurt or something, you know, Dallas or St. Louis would become, you know, a top two team. So I think there's potential in these markets right now. Um, I'm just worried about just Walker's playing style that he's going to be able to get through 10 games. So that's, that's something you hate to say it, but I think that there's some hidden value just based on that. I, I think they're going to be a very volatile team uh, going forward. So Dallas at six to one and St. Louis at 10 to one are my favorite plays. Okay. So wrapping up favorite bets for week three, Mine is probably the under on uh, Guardians Battle Hawks. And although that is the, uh, the lowest total on the board right now at 40 and a half, I just have major questions about the Guardians' ability to score any points. And then based on the Battle Hawks, the way that they play, I could see them uh, getting out ahead and then just running the ball, which would drive the game to the over. So I'm, I'm seeing more of like a, a 34 to 7, 34 to 10, uh, sorry, 24 uh, 24 to 7, 24 to 10 type of game here. So uh, I'm taking the under New York Guardians, Battle Hawks, 40 and a half. Raybon, what is your favorite bet of week three? Yeah. So my favorite bet is St. Louis's future, first and foremost. Don't that go there. Is, Give me yeah, it's my actual, No, no, yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. So <laughs> my favorite non St. Louis future bet is Renegades Dragons under 43 and a half. Uh, I think, you know, we've seen the Dragons 
they, they don't have a great defense, but Dallas, they played pretty poorly for three quarters on offense, uh, but they do play good run defense. And we saw Seattle play a pretty low scoring game. Granted, Tampa Bay didn't have their, their quarterback, uh, starting quarterback last week, but I think this is one of those uh, over-unders where it's not the Roughnecks, and uh, it's essentially the – it's right there with the, the D.C.-L.A. game as the second highest uh, total. But the difference is L.A.'s defense is so bad and D.C.'s offense looks really good. So this – the, the C- Dallas-Seattle game, uh, when I'm looking to hammer unders, that's the game that kind of stands out for me where um, things go a little differently. Uh, that Dallas game last week could end up pretty low scoring. And, and I don't think the Dragons – are going to necessarily um, be a team that lights up the scoreboard uh, this season, and but they are at home, and so I think that helps their defense play a little better. And just looking forward to more Landry Jones interviews. All right, Sean, your favorite bet for Week Three? So I, I really want to bet the Vipers again this week, but again, going to have to wait for Aaron Murray's status. I am not going to be putting money on Taylor Cornelius again. I promise. Um, so that's that's a bet where at the end of the week, if Murray looks good. Um, and they're getting over seven points. That will be my favorite bet. But uh, being realistic, I think that New York-St. Louis in-game under uh, is what I'm going to be attacking. I, like I said, I, I could see St. Louis scoring early in this game uh, against New York, and then the, the games is going to come to a grinding halt. Um, so I could see them you know, scoring on the first drive, the total maybe going up to like 42.5 or something, and then just hammering the under. I, I do like the under 40.5, but I just think in-game we're going to get a little bit higher number uh, just based on the, the expected flow to start and then hammer the under end game on that one. Great call there. That's going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate interview the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.